John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. You have accessed entry 1016.ps5517, certificate number 2405. The Qibla. Qibla is a word that uh, has a Q but no U. One of the rare uh, ones, but it's in in Scrabble, but it's an Arabic word. Like many of those words. So, yeah, but you can use it in Scrabble. Oh, well, this is a question we had earlier. Is it capitalized or not? Is it a proper name or is it a, um, just a cardinal direction? Lots of religious words tend to get capitalized, especially on the internet where people are like capitalize everything. Right. I mean, the president capitalizes things like country. (laughs) So, <laughs> Qibla is a, a Scrabble word. Q, oh, it is. Q-I-B-L-A. So, it is not, Qibla is not a place. It is a, a direction. It's both. It's a place and a direction. It's a it's a dessert topping and a floor wax. Wait, did I do that in the wrong order? It's a floor wax and a dessert topping. Dedicated futurelings, and I'm sure that's all of them because they're super smart pattern matching robots have probably realized there's an alphabetical component to the classification system of the omnibus. And this is our first Q entry. Oh, I just noticed. Well done. Well done, Ken. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Complete we, them we, all. We, we did it. Yeah. Collect a full set. We, it, it is not a full set. Do you have any idea which letters we do not have? Well, let's see. I'm sure we've done Z. Zyder Z. Uh, so. It's the only Z. K. Oh, wait. The K Foundation. Uh, that one started with uh, W. It was Watch the K Foundation Burn a Million Quid. Oh. But there is a K or two. I just can't remember. Oh, Kahotek. Yeah, Kahotek for sure. Uh, so what? let's see, what are the letters? That's very there? good. How did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm, a, I'm oh, a pattern matching robot. Also King, comma, William Rufus, I guess. Uh, what are the letters we haven't done? We have not done X or Y. X or Y. Well, let me get right on that. It figures that you would cover Q. Why does that figure that I would cover oh, because Q? It's Star just, Trek The Next Generation fan. <laughs> Q just, when I look at you, I just think Q. Because of all my gadgets? Because and, of my, well, because of my <laughs> umbrella that is explosive or. But when you look at me, don't you think X? Yeah. Yeah. You're see? the X factor. Yeah. You're the mystery man, man That's of mystery. Right. That's right. Uh, Q, old Q and X here. 
Do you <laughs> solving crimes? <laughs> do you have any ideas for X or Y? Oh, for sure. Let's say you had to do an X or for a Y sure. show next. What would what would they be? Xanthan gum. <laughs> Finally. Well, I mean, there's a lot to know about xanthan gum. It's like, in everything. It's uh, what is it? A stabilizer it's a or stabilizer? What if we just do a, a single entry about the Coldplay record X and Y and call it good? Hmm. That's our final entry. Well, we could do Elliot Smith's XO. That's true. It's XO also, and XY. It's a better record. I don't know. That depends on whether you like your music epic or suicidal. It's not even close for me. <laughs> <laughs> also, what, what if he didn't commit suicide? What if, what if his girlfriend killed him? Right, right. What, I guess maybe I shouldn't libel living people. Luckily, this won't be heard for thousands of years. You're saying, what if he didn't s stab himself 22 times? <laughs> right. Whatever it was, stab himself in the, in the chest 22 times? I think that's pretty unlikely. I think I've said this on the show before, but I was at his last show. At his last show at ever? his final show ever, yeah. Where was his last show? Salt Lake City, weirdly. <clears throat> it was some free uh, welcome back to campus thing at University of Utah. Wow. And he didn't look, um, yeah, he didn't look great. I, I, I saw him a lot, including all the way back when people used to sit crisscross applesauce on the floor at the crocodile and watch yeah. him play. But the last time I saw him was at the showbox, and he was nodding off on stage. And it was a bad deal. Like the whole audience was just sitting there kind of quietly while he fell asleep in his chair. And or was everyone like, oh, no, it was, it, it was not, it wasn't cute. Time to wake up, Elliot. We're at grandma's house. Put your shoes on. <laughs> and my girlfriend and I at the time were like, I mean, you know, both big fans, but we looked at each other. And we're like, you want to get out of here? I feel like being here is like being party to a slow motion suicide, which it turns out it kind of was. Or slow motion homicide or, or even motion fast motion homicide. homicide. We don't know. We weren't there. So she and I went out into the rain and. And walked along the glistening streets of Seattle. That's the way to leave an Elliott Smith show anyway. Yeah. yeah. At the last, the last time I saw him, people were actually requesting songs and he would just kind of mutter like, I, I don't, I can't, I don't really do that kind of finger picking stuff anymore. I can't really. And I was can't like, get his fingers to work. Yeah. Yikes. Um, all of this has little, if anything, to do with the Kibla. Well, let's find out. We don't know enough about the Kibla to know if it has an Elliott Smith connection or not. When's it going to come around? I guess it might. Um, I mean, futurelings are already nodding their heads in recognition or nodding their whatever appendage they nod. nod. Are they falling asleep like Elliot Smith? They're not on the <laughs> nod, but they're like nodding in recognition that, ah, yes, Elliot Smith and the Kibla are intimately connected in ways that you and I are just now going to discover. Wouldn't that be like a high pressure show if you were trying to like connect two things or I feel like that was one of, wasn't that one of our ideas for this yeah, show that we would degrees, like six degrees of Elliot Smith. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't always be Elliot Smith. That would be a weird podcast. Right. But, but the, sure the the two of us would each independently come up with a topic and then try to try to connect them. It'd be a little, that would be super fun, super easy too, I think between the two of us. I feel like it'd be a little stressful though. Like what if the show's in like hour three and we're still like, how <laughs> do I get this back to Bronco Nagurski? Um, it's super easy because all you have to do is get to, Kevin there's, Bacon. Like, there's like 10 historical figures. Like all, if I can get us to Stalin and you can get us to Churchill, <laughs> <laughs> then there we are what if, in Tehran. What if the show is actually antagonistic? <laughs> You're always trying to get to like Stalin or Hitler and I'm always trying to get to Churchill or FDR. <laughs> And it's like, you know, a football moving up and down the board and the listeners can sense, oh, we're drifting pretty close to the third Reich. John's going to win this one. But at the last minute, no, a Hail Mary, no. a Hail Mary conversational reception. Ken gets Kim. it to polio. <laughs> and game is over. 
I was thinking about the Kiplaw the other day in a, in a uh, Uber, not Uber. What's the less, slightly less evil uh, Uber? It's called Lust or uh, I'm sure it's. I'm sure Lust is a different app. You have on your phone. <laughs> Let me just open up Lust. Need some it's called sexy uh, singles with Priuses in my area. Like it's Nurk. Uh, it's, it's got a Y, Lift herp, with a Y. Herp. Oh, right. Lift. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure they're all, are, are they, they're all evil. Is that right? No, I think Lyft. So I have some firsthand experience with, uh, with Uber corporate. I, I didn't mean to put down our, our new corporate partners or, or overlords. Uh, I don't think there are overlords. Does Uber now own the Omnibus project? Uh, God, no. Although again, future links may be like, you mean like Uber brand Omnibus? <laughs> yeah. Omnibus plays in all Ubers. <laughs> No, I knew a lawyer. What if we were a little Sandy Kenyon in the backseat of the, the <laughs> Hey, welcome the to your Uber ride. I'm Ken Jennings. Have you heard of the Kibla? You have, your destination is 19 minutes away. Let's have John Rodney talk about the Nazis for 19 minutes. I knew a lawyer at Uber corporate, and over time, she was very secretive about their policies, right? It seemed every time you would get anywhere, edge anywhere close to Uber, she would kind of act like there was an NDA that prohibited her from saying anything. But she... Is she, that because there was an NDA yeah, that prohibited probably. her from saying anything? But, she, but also she, was, not lo- a lawyer, she but. was loyal to the company, uh, but also she liked playing spy games. Like she had a real cloak and dagger yeah. personality. But she broadly implied enough times that it became clear to me that Uber's corporate legal policy was not to use their team of high-powered lawyers to be in compliance with the law. Their strategy was to violate the law and use their lawyers to... Change the law? No, to just obfuscate the violation long enough that... I mean, it was just to... They were just intended to go into court and fight the penalty for violating the law. Like, what's, but what's their exit strategy there? Their exit strategy was to get to a point where they became... Their vision, I think Uber's vision is self-driving cars, no, so all their problems are labor problems, right? They're, sure. they're, they're, they, they want to have all the benefits of a massive, uh, convenient employee force without actually having to pay or provide benefits to a massive, right. no benefits and they, they work them to death and they don't pay them at all. And so they're willing to settle all these different labor disputes because they're even short-term immediate goal is I think even right now, as we speak, they're testing self-driving cars and they want, oh, they want I drivers see. to be gone from the equation. The drivers are the worst part of, of running Uber. And so, but the, but they're trying U- to move the Uberton window, but Uber's like front facing policy is like, we're super pro drivers. Like, you know, we're trying to like solve all these problems and we want to be in compliance, but they don't at all. They just want, they want to stay in business and try and monopolize the space so that when self-driving cars come in, they're the industry standard. And Lyft is much more like, hi, you know, friendly emoji. Must, pink mustache. Lol. Um, I don't but know. But I assume the, still, the, the, the structural problems of trying to make a living doing that are not too different, is, is, I guess, the bottom line to me. Make a living for as, as a driver, As a driver. Oh, I think probably. So I get into those cars and, and always ask the driver, like, which do you prefer? Because they all drive for both. How much am I exploiting you right yeah. now? And they generally say that they prefer Lyft. We I, are, I didn't want this to be a, a Lyft sponsorship. Or maybe this, I mean, we just lost our Uber sponsorship. So now's the time to really, really butter up Lyft, I think. We don't get retroactive uh, 
Although we have dynamic advertising, maybe Lyft will come in. The problem, here's the problem, and I thought about this a lot when I was running for city council. When transportation is privatized in that way, where let, let's say Uber just dominates the space and you just have to use Uber, yeah, then your credit rating with Uber determines whether you can get places or not. So you're like, you know, I need to get over to Ken I, Jennings's house. But I'm not at a 7.5. It becomes a Black Mirror episode. It's a Black Mirror episode. Uber says, you said some shit about us on a podcast 15 years ago. <laughs> I think we're going to show you a bunch of cars in your area, but there aren't going to be any. They're just, they're still circling like, yeah. like in aliens, but they're just ignoring you. <laughs> Sexy Priuses in your area do not want to hang out. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> Acknowledge me. Well, I mean, even if somebody unearths this gold record 20 years in our future, the idea that we have some kind of driver-based economy is probably insane to them because that's, that's clearly on the way out, it seems. Well, yeah. And I mean, how many Americans are truck drivers or, or drivers of, of some kind? I feel like it's been, in many states, it's the number one occupation, long-haul long haul truck driver. So, And I know that there are people listening to this program in their time who drive for a living. And so to you, people... I encourage you to go to community college <laughs> <laughs> or something. Time for that GED. Yeah, or, or put your sociology degree to work, to better work than, than driving, because that job's on its way. What if the show just becomes boring futurological <laughs> tips from Ken and John? <laughs> Learn a trade. Electricians are still highly paid. That's a very hard job to automate. It's absolutely true. Electricians and plumbers, boy. This is, this is the show now. <laughs> Welcome back to Tips for Plumbers. Or aspiring plumbers. Um, Always hire someone to do the digging. That's my advice for plumbers. You don't want to do the digging. There's a lot of digging involved in plumbing. Well, that could be automated, right? They'll all have a digging robot. The plumber's helper will, will or plumber's friend? Plumber's friend. What is that, a plunger? Plumber's friend is, yeah, a plunger. It's not a bottle of Drano. You're, dis, you're discouraged from pouring Drano down your But drain. soon it'll be a robot dog. Right, who, with a called? shotgun in its face. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Someone's put a shotgun in its face or it can shoot a shotgun it out of its face? It can shoot a shotgun out of its face because plumbers Is that are, good for clogs? Plumbers are going to be the crime solvers of the future, right? We're gonna like Watergate plumbers? Yeah, it's like call the plumber. <laughs> They're going to tape all your door locks. I just meant they have a robot dog that like digs all the lines oh, in oh. the manner of a uh, backyard. Oh, that's a, a cute a robot dog. Yeah. Every time I think robot dog, I think Boston... Uh, Boston well, sure. Dynamics dog, yeah. except with combat features. It'll all be the nightmare dog. <laughs> Did you see the Boston Dynamics future robot, a uh, humanoid robot doing parkour? No. No, that's the, it's like a three second video clip, but that's what will make you think I'm done. I'm not having children. <laughs> I'm going to walk into the sea. Uh, because here maybe, they come. Maybe my dying proteins will sustain the coral for one more day. Yeah, because, yeah, it's it's over, basically. As soon as I saw the robot doing parkour. It's amazing to think that that parkour robot, there's three types of people that will watch that video and have three different reactions. Most people watch it and go, oh, God, please no. Then there are the people that watch it and go, cool robot. I think that must be the majority of people. No, people are not introspective enough to realize. I think that the scary side of those robots is there's something deep inside of us that sees like a, un, an, an uncanny valley scenario, except where the robot is stronger, faster, and has no self-agency. Anecdotally, uh, I, and, and has lasers probably. Lasers. I, I saw this when I was playing the evil IBM computer on 
Jeopardy. I think IBM thought, what a great forum for our amazing new technology. And everybody who saw that was like, ah, the computers are playing Jeopardy now. No, like uh, it won, but I don't know if it was a huge PR coup like they were hoping. Well, this is what I'm saying. The people that were going to buy Big Blue are not the people who are thinking, oh no, a dangerous killer AI. They're thinking, oh yeah, a dangerous killer AI. Think how many of my employees I can replace with this dangerous killer AI. And there are lots of people watching those Boston Dynamics videos thinking, as soon as that is operational, I will buy 200,000 of them and put them to work deposing South American governments. <laughs> I wish I weren't one of the ones that- Wait, was, Yeah, which one are you? I, I, or I wish I wasn't one of the ones that was scared because I am scared of them. You think it would be empowering to like have a, see that and have an idea? I'd love to be one of the nerds that was so focused on technology that I was just like, cool robot. Without any, I didn't have to think about either side of the equation. Like, yeah. I'm in the lab. I think robots are cool. I'm well, just building this for fun. That is a uh, luxury we had as a race, as a human race for um, nearly a century. For decades and decades, you could see any movie representation of a robot and think, that would be super cool. Whoa, because, because we knew it wouldn't happen. Right. But if I looked at, at Boston Dynamics from the perspective of general dynamics and was like, how soon can we get one of those in an F-16? <laughs> I would, uh, that's the place to be. That's the bad guy to be. Right now, your only winning scenario is what if one of these like somehow fell into my barn or garage and I could sort of reprogram it to be my buddy? Right. Like, and then it forgot how to use the lasers. Well, know? it's the RoboCop thing, right? You just want one that has as its fourth secret prime directive that it doesn't kill, that it can never depose a, a board member of, uh, of like Robocon. <laughs> you just want to be on the board at Robocon. Like you need to be on the white list or whatever, whatever right. the list of people that cannot get deposed or lasered. By right. So thing. it comes into your office and it's like, you must die. And you're like, Oh, sorry. Directive four. I was in a non robot driven Uber to the air lift, I guess, to yeah, the lift. airport. And, um, the driver who kind of had an unidentifiable uh, accident ethnicity, which turned out to be Israeli, was talking about how- You never expect it to be Israeli. It was, it was, a, real, it was a real plot twist yeah, for me. Yeah, right. Because a lot ride. of times you're like, Azerbaijan? Yeah, what Are you from Georgia? It really is. What kind of Central Asian slash North African are you? And I guess he was Central Asian slash North African, but- Right, right in the middle there. But uh, plot twist, he was Israeli. And- um, uh, we were talking about kind of the mechanics of airport pickups. And he was saying that, yeah, airports always have just some nearby parking lot, not like the cell phone waiting lot for passenger families, but just a place for these car share guys oh, I didn't know that. to hang out. And I think it's pretty informal. I think it just might be some nearby strip mall where there's room for a bunch of these. And so they hang out. Oh, so it's not formal. It's not like the airport has contracted with someone. Now that I'm telling this story, I'm not 100% sure. But I think it's, my guess is it's just where close to the airport they can chill. Maybe Uber and Lyft have bought land, but that seems like too much infrastructure for their business model, right? It does, right? They don't want that. They want just to exploit the parking lot of a donut shop somewhere. Right. And I think that's what is actually going on here. It's some teriyaki shop or something. Right. Where the people inside don't feel empowered to go out and say, out of here. Uh, yeah, some, someplace where an IHOP got torn down and there's way too much parking or right. something. And so these guys just sit there all day. And I was like, this is an amazing, like, setup. why is this not a play, you know? Uh-huh. Like, I could sure. I could win a, a Tony or a Pulitzer for my play about the, these guys sitting around 
because the stage is just you know a few cars with headlights on. You yeah. hear you hear world music or a th- blaring. Th- a three camera sitcom. <laughs> right. What's it called? The Lot. <laughs> Every time Ken gets out of his car, everybody goes Ken. <laughs> I don't think it's that kind of sitcom. And the, you know he was to just telling a story about what it's like to hang out there all day with these guys. And sometimes you see fights. And sometimes, you know, people make friends and, you know, they see the people they know. And this guy's Israeli, of course, so it's all kind of colored with his view of hanging out with, you know, a million Muslim guys all day. Right. And he's like, why are you fighting? You're from Somalia. He's from uh, Yemen, but you are both, you're both Arabs, you know? Like, why, why are you fighting? Why are you fighting? I mean, they're not both Arabs, but to, no. in his mind, they're both Arabs. Right. Uh, and one of the things he said was that, um, you know, you see the daily Muslim prayers very often. And I was like, this is so perfect for my play that I'm never going to write. Like think, right. think how that punctuates it. The five, three quarters of the drivers five times a day, all turn to Mecca and pray. And do you do it at the same time? Because there is some, so, so the, the, the Muslim daily prayers, the, the Salat are one of the five pillars of Islam, one of the foundational beliefs and practices of right. the religion. You um, want to do the Hajj and go to Mecca at some point. Got to do the Hajj once. Yep. Others are more general principles, like you got to give alms to the poor. Right. Um, but this one is a very specific one with a timeline. Every day you're supposed to pray, you know, these prescribed recitations at these prescribed times. And there's a little wiggle room depending on whether you're Shia or Sunni or whatever, but it's actually fairly strict. You're supposed to pray once right around dawn, once right around noon. I think that one's got the most wiggle room. Mid-morning. Yeah, some mid-morning one. This one mid-afternoon one, one at sunset and one at night. And uh, it's pretty much wherever you are, whatever you're doing, if you're Muslim, you've got to figure out a way to do this. So you might have a little r- a prayer rug in your office you can unroll yep. or in the back of your lift Carry it with Prius. You. So yeah, just imagine all these guys on stage. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you don't have the, the call from the, from the mosque tower, the minaret. I bet you there's an app. There is absolutely an app. Where, where it gives you the call to prayer and it also tells you which direction Mecca is in. That's the thing. Um, yeah. The, the main thing these guys haven't, or these guys, it's all Muslims. It's women as well. Unless they are menstruating. Only Muslims who don't have to, only adult Muslims who don't have to do the daily five salat prayers are uh, if they're on their period. Well, that's also in the Bible, isn't it? It's not just confined to the Quran. There's actually in the Bible also a prescription against going into the temple when you're menstruating. I think it's common in the ancient world and probably it's a tradition that predates these religions. And it's certainly not for the benefit of the uh, poor woman who's having a bad enough day anyway and should not have to do five prayers. It really is like, <laughs> we have this nice pure prayer thing going, please don't sully it with your, it. With your weird right. thing that we're not going to talk about. Right. But there are also- But it is an upside, I guess. If you're a menstruating woman, I'd be like, sweet. Yeah, exactly. I get to skip church like, for an entire week. The one, the one upside. Uh, but also, you're, you are excused, within Islam, you're excused from a lot of the requirements if you're sick, or there are quite a few exceptions where you can kind of appeal to not fast during Ramadan, for instance, if you're a child or if you're suffering an illness. Yeah, and children do not have to do the five uh, daily prayers, but I think... Um, for everyone else, it's it's one of the more immutable things. Right. Like it really is. Um, and it's great because it actually is a very regular reminder of, you know, if the big knock on religion in the West today is hypocrisy, the biggest sin we can imagine. Oh, these guys say one thing on Sunday, but then the rest of the week, no. I mean, <laughs> you really cannot say that about a Muslim who has to think about his or her faith 
like every three hours. Well, it really punctuates your day, right? You don't every once in a while take a day off where you're where you just lay on the couch and eat pop tarts and surf the internet all day. You can. You, you at least right. five times will have to get off the couch. It's like your little iWatch telling you, oh. <laughs> It's time to move. You've been stationary for an hour. What do you think it does for productivity? Because I think I would feel like if I was Pop-Tart guy, I'd be like, you know what? I accomplished something today. Did my five prayers. Because I, as, a, as a freelance person, I often have the false feeling of accomplishment that comes with answering a single email and then having to frame my day that way. Yeah, I got something done. I mean, I think it would contextualize time for you in a whole different way. Like you'd be able to look at the course of your life and say... My life has uh, been structured around an unbroken line of five prayers a day. And I, you know, you would, you'd be able to remember every time you failed to meet that five prayer a day requirement, if you were devout. Yeah, you'd, f- you'd feel that about. Yeah, you'd be like, I, that one time when I skipped my mid-afternoon prayer, like that stuck with me, right? When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. Thankfully, there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves access to high-quality, humanely sourced meat at an affordable price. That's why each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of the finest cuts right to your home. Choose from 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. No antibiotics, no added hormones, just meat the way meat should be. And right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free plus twenty dollars off your first box when you visit butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout that's butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout what if you're on a plane i don't know if i've ever seen a, a muslim try to figure out because it's it's a there's a physical act you need to start out kind of um standing, then bowing, then you're kind of prostrate, right. and then you finish sitting down. So there's a series of positions you have to do. I've definitely seen the prayer happen in a lot of different contexts, you know, on the side of the road sure. where somebody pulled over. Airport. But also, yeah, right. But on an airplane, you may be excused. For a, a transatlantic flight, you would have two, maybe three opportunities where you needed to pray. What if, if the was... sun stays overhead because you're, you're flying west? You just have to keep just, just keep, keep going praying the whole time. I don't know. I don't these know. are these are things that I think you would go to your imam, and mm-hmm. you would say, "Give me a ruling on this." Right? That's the wonderful thing about Islam is that you can get a ruling. Where I think in like if you went to a a minister and said, "What's the deal with this?" Ministers tend to be like, "Oh, don't worry about it." <laughs> right? Like, right? Just like the Reverend Lovejoy on The Simpsons, like, "Sure, sure, get out of my office." Basically, like every time I go to someone at my daughter's school and say. You know, we travel a lot, and I know you have an uh, uh, attendance policy, but we're going to take our kid out and go to, like, Europe for a week, and we don't have an excuse. We're just doing it. And they always, at least up until now, have said, your daughter's in second grade. We're not that worried about her missing a week of school. And it's the same thing. It's like, what do I have to say to reassure you and get you out of my office? Get me out of your office. This is one thing in my day that I can get rid of. Um, but I think when she's in 10th grade, that changes. I don't know. You have a 10th grader or a freshman at least, right? Yeah, I have a 10th, I have a sophomore and we, sophomore. we can't 
travel. Really. Just take him out for a week. I took Dylan to South Korea once when he was in first or second grade. And pretty much they said, yeah, you need to, we'll excuse this. If you make an alphabet book about your journeys, uh-huh. A is for airport. B is for um, boarding, you know, uh, and so that was what it took. And I don't think that uh, holds in high school anymore. You couldn't do that in 10th grade. Just make an alphabet book. <laughs> a is for Aleph. In some theoretical world where there was some centralized Muslim, you know, caliphate or some kind of actual political right. order with the, you know, enforcing a, a pope. enforcing Sharia law and, a, and a, some kind of Supreme Court, then those rulings would be authoritative. Because there is no such thing today, you do get competing rulings, fatwas from different, you can depending do, on which cleric you ask. And yeah, which you can go to the Islam. imam that, that gives the ruling. That, you can go to imam shopping, yeah, basically. <laughs> Best it quits with your, your worldview. Little imam roulette there, like uh, wh- who's the most Pokemon-friendly imam I can find to ask for a ruling here? Plenty of imams were like, hey, that Solomon Rushdie book is pretty good, actually. <laughs> the real page turner. <laughs> Two thumbs up, couldn't put it down. The, uh, yeah, so, and there are judgments related to, uh, you know, rulings related to prayer practice as well, you know, and the differ in between Shiite and Sunni mm-hmm. Muslims, for example, you know, how close to the Zenith do you have to say that prayer? I think in one tradition you can go, as long as it's said somewhere t- at least 20 minutes before the next prayer, the afternoon prayer, you're fine. Oh, others are more so you specific. could like stack them up and do two within a 20 minute span? Yeah. As long as you do them in the right order, I think it's okay to stack if you're, if you're like an efficiency Muslim, right? right, right. <laughs> Get more out of your prayers. Look, I had a lunch meeting, so. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there has to be some accommodation to, to the work day and right. schedules and stuff like, like that. Like if you're a police officer, you cannot interrupt a call to say, hey, uh, let's just put a, a little bookmark in this for a second here. Put a pin this, in this. And, uh, let Unless me... the perp is also Muslim and you can, you can come to a deal. Oh, okay. Sure. You both. Take a moment out from your foot chase. Yeah, it's like, like, whoa, the, whoa, whoa. It's like, the, it's like the Looney Tune cartoons where the coyote and the sheepdog are like trying to kill each other, but then they like clock take out. a break and have, yeah, clock out to have lunch together. It'd be like that. Um, you mentioned apps and the main use for phone apps in the, the modern Islamic world is the, as you mentioned, the geographical aspect, because right. all these prayers must be done facing Mecca and not just Mecca. If you're, if you're super good about latitude and longitude, you're actually facing the Kaaba in, right. in Mecca, this kind of the big black block, the granite cube in the middle of the holiest, the central mosque of Mecca. It's the destination of the Hajj. If you've ever seen videos of the, uh, I hope these survive to the future where possibly maybe everyone is Muslim or no one is Muslim. We don't even know. People cycling around the. Right. You're supposed to circle it seven times. So you see this drift of humanity. Uh, the, it's called the, the Tawaf, the circling. And theoretically you're supposed to uh, kiss the black stone. Right, which is inside. So that's a tight squeeze. That's like the Blarney stone. <laughs> it's not, not, to, uh, not to equate the black stone. Speaking of fatwas, <laughs> speaking of fatwas listeners, John Roderick just equivalented the Kaaba with the uh, Blarney stone, if you think that's fun. <laughs> what are you sketching, John? What's that? Is that Muhammad you're drawing uh, no, on, your, on your notepad? No, it is not. Weird. What's, no. what's no, in that it's, word it's balloon? A, it's a self portrait. <laughs> you do have a Muhammad in. in character. You, I like to think so. You got I the ho- beard, the keen eye. I hope the, uh, I the hope thoughtful compassion. I, there's a lot of thoughtful compassion. Also, I uh, occasionally ascend to heaven on the back of a white horse. <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I come back. <laughs> I go up there. It's like more of a trading mission. You've never done it in the middle of a show. With you now. And I appreciate that. Oh, with me? No, do I've do never, that with Merlin? <laughs> I've done it in the middle of other shows. Because you're, you're on the phone. Well, you're on the, oh, yeah. rock shows, right. Sometimes halfway through a rock show, I'm like, 
We're going to take a little break. <laughs> My white steed comes on, on the stage. People must freak out. They must think they're high. They are high. That's how I can pull it off. In some traditions, you know, it's not clear what the black stone is. It's often presumed to be a stony meteorite and maybe one that predates, uh, probably one that predates Islam. It, it was part of Arabic culture before Muhammad. But it, but as a holy relic, it is not something that an archaeologist or a... a um, you can't study it. It's, it's, no one's going to go it, take it's a chip It's too holy to chip, yeah, yeah, to chip pieces off or to take it to your lab to run studies. It's got to stay there embedded in the corner of the Kaaba or whatever. Um but and but traditionally, I guess in a lot of these ancient traditions, meteorites are, you know, obviously something sure. came from heaven. We're going to take this thing seriously. We're going to sure. we're going to build an altar here where the where the glowing star fell. So maybe you know maybe it's just volcanic basalt. But uh, in, in Islamic tradition now, it's uh, is there a ton of volcanic uh, basalt in Arabia? You'd think no. It's not typically Which thought would, of as a volcanic. Which would also area. make it special, I guess. Yeah, right. Um, the the modern is, or not even modern, but the the post Mohammedan traditions of the black stone are that it, uh, you know, Adam and Eve found it and it told them where to build an altar. Hmm. And then it was lost in the flood, but then Abraham found it again when he was out with Ishmael somewhere. You don't have to kiss it because of the the throngs, the massive crowds now, but you are supposed to kind of direct a a look or a gesture to it each time you go around. Oh. And you can do that with, uh, I think you can do that in relationships as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I do you, that all the time. If you've I, been dating somebody for a while. I, I do a little nod as I go you by. You don't have to kiss every, all seven <laughs> times you pass her during the day. Good morning. How are you? We've been married for a long time and now you can just kind of do a. What's up, babe? You, you exist. I acknowledge you vaguely. This, this circling the temple thing is also present in certain um, Orthodox, Christian Orthodox uh, oh, traditions. I was at a. A festival in, uh, and I know this is very John Roderick thing to say, but I was at a festival in Transylvania <laughs> one time in the mountains of Transylvania. Your uh, white steed dropped you off down the hill from Dracula's castle. It did. I, it was, she, she got a little confused. Uh, and one of the traditions of this event, there was an icon in this church. It was outside of Gurla in Romania. I can picture it now. Yeah. Thank and you th for setting the scene. There was an icon that was discovered by a shepherd. It had come down from heaven. It appears to just be an icon that was painted by someone in an Orthodox painting tradition. But no. Kind of moon-faced virgin. You'd think so. With a little moon-faced Jesus. Does it have like the nice gold paint? It does, and it's beautiful. But it, had, it came down uh, directly from heaven and was sort of sitting on a rock on the top of this hill, and it was, uh, and they built a church around it. But the penitents crawl on hands and knees around oh, this wow. church something like a hundred times or for four straight days or something. I mean, it was, it was extraordinary to see because they were... Is everyone doing it at once or do you have to just wait till you do something bad and then go, go no, crawl it off? it's kind of... <laughs> <coughs> crawl it off, crawl it off. <laughs> Give me 20. Um, no, it was like for the length of this festival, which was a long time. And you know, a lot of them were little old ladies and crawling until their knees were bleeding around this sepulcher up in the mountains, it was extraordinary to watch. You know, I had that thing where I was like, like a dude from America 
kind of standing back going, whoa, you know, like well, not, not at all like getting what was happening. Well, joining in would probably be worse. It would be weird. You, you did the most sensitive thing. But you know, the air was redolent with incense. I mean, I went in and spent some time with the icon trying to see if I could get any sense of what God's intention was. In, in sending us this pre-painted icon? I spent a lot of time during that part of my life going, God, if you're listening, it's me, Margaret. What's going on? What's your plan? What's your plan for me? And did uh, he uh, or he, she reveal he, anything she, to you? It did not ever really directly communicate with me or answer or ever. I mean, you could say there were multiple times where God during this period gave me a sign in that uh, God did not strike me down. I mean, I, at no point along the way did <laughs> I die. If I'm doing the right thing, do not strike me down. Sweet. <laughs> but in terms of like any kind of um, dream or apparition appearing on the trail. I never got a mean Joe Green pat on the butt. It just was, you know, God remained. Uh, God's puzzling yeah, silence. Super the, puzzling The silence. distance that has powered a hundred Bergman movies. But lots of opportunities to kill me if that was God's plan. If God was interested in killing me, he has passed up a lot of great opportunities. God's puzzling silence did not extend to uh, Muhammad, by all accounts. Right. He, he gave him very specific instructions on a lot of things. One of the few including lucky Including prayer. Yeah, who had a direct, direct line and uh, no question too small, you know, which animals not to eat. Um, and so the Quran contains very explicit instructions about how these prayers are to be done. Um, from whensoever thou startest forth, turn thy face in the direction of the sacred mosque. That is indeed the truth from the Lord. Now, was there a sacred mosque at the time of Muhammad? Originally, it was in Jerusalem, originally right? it was a different mosque. Yes. For there's like a, a year or two after Muhammad flees to Medina that, um, his followers actually face the temple mount in Jerusalem. Right. And that's their holiest site until again, direct line to God, God can clarify and be like, actually by sacred mosque, I meant Mecca. You guys got a face there. Oh, so it wasn't a case where God said, we're going to switch it over to Mecca. God said, I should clarify, I always meant Mecca. Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Is it my, di dynamic advertising? Is, yeah. it, is it retroactive to the old, to the old uh, surah? My sense was that the directive was, yes, it was Jerusalem, but now it is Mecca. It was a switch rather than a you misunderstood me. Those are always theologically tricky because you don't want to give the impression that God might change his mind. Well, except God may change his mind if God feels like there's a new sheriff in town. For 17 months, it was appropriate to face Jerusalem. Right. Now, in my infinite wisdom... Uh, because the holiness of the site is not intrinsic to the, the site. It is intrinsic oh, to God's... What if, or what if Mecca got holier? That's what I'm saying. Jerusalem was at a at a 92% holiness uh -huh. and Mecca's lagging. But the second Mecca hits 92.1, the, the God compass goes, swings wildly. That's right. To the what? Southeast, I guess. Well, it's like the meteor now is a holy rock. I mean, you see that quite a bit. Well, think about the Council of Nicaea. That was a big switcheroo, right? In Christianity, there were a lot of things that maybe were doctrine before that got clarified. Well, if you're a Catholic, it happened as recently as Vatican II. Right, You exactly. know, like, it wasn't wrong to do the Mass in Latin, but uh, in our time, God deems it more appropriate to not do the Mass right. in Latin. Well, we see it in Mormonism, right? There was a big switcheroo sort of halfway through the game. 
quite there. a few. Go, go down to one wife. I mean, that's a game changer. If, sure if, was. If you, if you have 26 wives. That would have really caused me to question my faith. That really goes, that takes you down to, that's a 97 or 98% change in your number of wives. Yeah. That's, well, that's, that's a bigger difference than, you know, two degrees of latitude when you pray. I think I might've moved down to Arizona city or whatever down there in the, in the unexplored South. Kept, kept my uh, go down to the colonies in Mexico. Start yeah. John Romney. Yeah, kept my or up to, up to that uh, that little mountain enclave there in British Columbia, Calgary. I think it's Car- south of Calgary, Cardston, Alberta. Yeah. yeah, just say like I'm going to keep at least a few of the wives. You could have been a proto Romney. <laughs> Might get rid people of people would like be like John Romney. Romney. Be like, no, it's John Romney. <laughs> It's, it's three so No, no, no. The Romani are a different people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, lo- yeah. Love the Romani. Love their dancing. Love their tambourines. Yeah. This is actually a live question in, I mean, not to get too far into the weeds here, but for members of the Latter-day Saint religious tradition, it's a big deal lately. The current leader of the church is like, it was always a mistake to uh, accept Mormons, the word Mormons. Like that's the, that's the oppressor's name. Right. I read about this. And for a while, uh, the idea, the, the Utah leadership idea was, you know, let's, we're going to reclaim Mormon the same way you can reclaim queer or whatever. And uh, just, you know, it's, it's kind of, the ship has already sailed. It's in the title of hit Broadway plays. Uh Let's just make sure they know Mormons are nice, friendly neighbors. And the new guy is like a hardliner, like, no, you should not accommodate the word Mormon. But you were saying that this happens every de- every few decades or so where more, m- the word Mormon comes in and out of fashion or there's a fatwa against it. But it does happen. And typically it's kind of couched in this kind of language like, uh, like we were saying, you know, when the sacred mosque changes, um, the new guy, on the, the new sheriff will be respectful of his predecessors and say, you know, this was very appropriate 20 years ago. But the, the great thing about having a, a, a modern direct line to God is that um, God can adjust for the era. And now in 2018, we need to shift focus a bit. You know, I'm, you know, he reframes it that way. And, but in this case, the guy clearly did not nod to that kind of rhetoric. And uh, Russell M. Nelson, the, the, current president of the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Right. Not the Mormon Church. He would uh, right. he, he would freak out if you said the Mormon Church. He actually says, no, this is every time this has been done, it's a, it offends Christ and it's a victory for Satan. So what and is so if the, you remember his predecessors doing this, you're like, whoa, you just threw like every other like bearded Mormon prophets going back to the 1800s. You just threw them under the bus. Under the bus. Under the covered wagon. So what is the new artful phrase? That's the problem. There's no adjective. Oh. Think about how every religion has a nice adjective. Catholic, yeah. Methodist, Buddhist. Right. For Islam has Muslim, you know, because you have to have one or else they... No one can write books you, about it. You can't you. talk. Yeah. Um, so there's no adjective. So it's, it's very easy instead of Mormon church to say the church... I mean, it's longer, but you can say the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You can use the full institution. But how name. do you describe a person? Exactly. You could say a Latter-day Saint. A Latter-day Saint. Um, but no one's going to do that. Well, it's quite a bit longer. So, but, but anyone who uses the word Mormon then is like an outsider, but are you going to refer internally to one another as fellow saint? Well, it's very tricky because, um, certain elements that are not related to the institutional church, like Mormon culture or the Mormon tabernacle choir, which they renamed, by the way, they dropped the word Mormon. Latter-day Saint tabernacle choir? (laughs) (laughs) It's the tabernacle choir at Temple Square. (laughs) That sounds that sounds like a like an it's extended a, stay hotel. Or yeah, or like <laughs> come to the shops at River, Red River Woods. Or or you know it's like when they rename a stadium for the coach or the new corporate sponsor but they don't want to lose the old name. So now it's 
right. uh, Alaska Airlines court at Heck Edmondson <laughs> Arena or, or whatever it is. Right. It's, it's 4th Avenue at Hernandez Boulevard. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, the degree to which, you know, you decide God is retroactive is, is kind of a tricky uh, affair. Right. Um, and but, I think this would be maybe something that would, uh, again, be from sect to sect, from imam to imam, a different interpretation of that moment? Or is there some, did, did uh, Muhammad himself kind of explain? Because there was a moment, right? He was, he was praying to Jerusalem and then in the moment turned around and started praying to Mecca? Yes. Um, and these are, this is not in the Quran. These are in the kind of uh, expanded, the Hadith, which is a, a body of kind of stories and anecdotes about the life and, and uh, teachings of Muhammad of kind of varying degrees of possible provenance. You know, some of them are held to be, this one seems almost certain. This one, this story is kind of nuts. But there's this whole body of traditional stories about Muhammad, and that's one of them. That we he, see that within Judaism too. Sure. And in uh, internet lore. Right, also. And, and in stuff you get well, forwarded from it, your mom on Facebook. It's like, know your meme. <laughs> it explains kind of the, it's an the old, holy... It's an old meme, but it checks out. Uh, so... Um, on fleek, for sure. But ever since then, you know, ever since that change, it's it's been pretty much stable in Islam for almost 1,500 years that all these daily prayers are to be done in the direction of the Kaaba at Mecca. And... If you're praying in a mosque, mosques are actually aligned toward Mecca, and they each have a little uh, alcove called the mirab. So you you have a, a visual sight line of where everyone in the building should be facing when the prayer begins. Oh, interesting! It's kind of like the way the University of Washington is built, so that the lower half of it is pointing pointing towards Mount Rainier. Mount Rainier, <laughs> right? But that explains the orientation of that mosque at a hundredth and fifteenth over in over in Northgate. Which is sits, we should dig into this because the future is super interested in the mosques of North Seattle. <laughs> it sits on. We the, should do a whole entry about it. Sits on its lot in a very unusual orientation, and now I understand that it's pointed toward Mecca. I never thought about that. Yeah. Um, but you know, as you get into North America, this becomes kind of a problem. Sure, the, the, because Mecca is through the earth. <laughs> right, and this was not an issue back in the Islamic Golden Age when it was kind of spreading outward over Eurasia. You know, it was always very clear if if you're a Muslim in. Eastern Europe, you know, just face Southeast. I mean, sure. if you're yeah. in North Africa, face Northeast. Presumably you walked there from Arabia, so you could just... <laughs> you just look look back at where your footprints <laughs> yeah. are. Unless there's been some kind of sandstorm, you can, <laughs> you can see them. But actually, this you know, the kind of uh, astronomical knowledge that was needed to calculate which way do I face when I pray, you know, I need God to be pleased with my prayer, that puts a very high stakes behind science. Well, sure, but the Arabs of all the people would have had access to that kind of astronomy at the time. And it's not, it's, it's kind of goes both ways. You know, it's not just that they were a uh, learned, scientifically able people, so they were better able to compute with compasses and sundials and astrolabes. It almost goes the other way. Because of their foundational need to face Mecca five times a day, oh. they started inventing better devices and better algorithms. Algorithm is an Arabic word. Um, better astrolabes and sextants and sundials and compasses. And this is kind of what leads to the Islamic golden age of science and exploration. Wasn't it during this period that the, that Arab scientists, I mean, well, wait a minute. What, what, who were the first people to determine that the earth was round? It was in the Middle East, right? Wasn't it a series of poles that cast shadows at different Heights. Declensions. And yeah, that's uh, that's in the that's in northern 
Africa. Right. Um, like it was e- uh, Egypt, it right? Was, or... It was in Egypt and it was not uh, it was pre- Eratosthenes. It was, you know, it was a, that was the Greek sphere of influence then. Right, I see. But it did happen in North Africa. And you know, um, because people from this part of the world had to navigate trackless desert by the stars, their astronomical knowledge was very good. But the need to calculate the bearing to a different point on the Earth's surface that goes beyond astronomy gets into fields of geodesy. You know, what's the shape and size of the Earth? Right. And, you know, the Earth being round um, is an important part of that. Um, there, I feel like that's true of my emotional life because I spend so much time out in a trackless emotional desert. I'm very you good. At, very good at the small signs. Yeah. Well, and, and, and what emotional is that, like astronomy. Buy, what is it like buying a donut? Is that like a. <laughs> Is that like the pole star to you that'll get you through? Or uh... I look up at the, when it appears that I'm rolling my eyes, I'm really looking up at the stars. Uh, there are, there is an astronomical element to which way, to implications to, to always facing Mecca. For example, there are two moments each year in May and July when the sun is directly overhead at Mecca where the Qibla is very easy to calculate. Right. You just face the sun on, on those specific days. Conversely, on the six months away from those days, when the sun is directly overhead, directly antipodal at a spot on the Earth's surface opposite Mecca, you just have to face your own shadow, and you know that that will be uh, Mecca. But it seems like on the day that the sun is directly over Mecca, you could just go out in the yard and plant a stick in that direction, and then just you'd always be able to face the stick. Yes, you just need a stick. Right, a um, tall stick. And you can't let anybody else tamper with the stick. No. The little, uh, if there's, if there's little, uh, Kibla elves that live in a tree, you, you don't want the Kibla elves to come steal your, your no, stick. They come down and, and dance with the woofers and the tweeters. <laughs> um, so, but it gets harder in North America because there actually is a conceptual geographic question to be answered here, which is, does the Kibla essentially burrow through the earth? If I'm in the South Pacific, do I need to face the, the ground, the bottom of the sea? Yeah. The ground to pray, or there's a second option. Do I go in a constant line of, of bearing? What, uh, you know, on a, imagine on a Mercator projection. I do um, not use the Mercator projection, so I will not imagine it on the Mercator projection. I refuse to <laughs> sully my mental imagery. There are no Mercator projections in this house, and there are thousands of maps. There's certainly no Mercator projections in the future. Uh, no. When we know that it's a silly thing that makes Greenland appear huge. Well, and, and probably in the future, all maps are oriented to Antarctica. Well, yeah, well, I was about to say, what if Greenland looking huge is actually a feature in the future? Because that's the, one of the only habitable places. A feature in the future. It's a future feature for the featurelings. But, so, so you want a map that makes Greenland look huge. But it's it's interesting, like, do you take a circumpolar route in order right. to get there? The, is it the shortest distance? What Let's is imagine it? a Muslim in Anchorage, Alaska. Okay. I don't have to imagine. I know Muslims in Anchorage, Alaska. Is that right? Yeah. From growing up there, you knew the, yes. is there a vibrant uh, Muslim community? Where are they from? These uh, guys are it's a, it's a, Arab, it's, yeah, it's a, it, well, that's changed quite a bit. There were no Somalians when I was a kid in Anywhere. the 80s. Somalians were invented <laughs> in the late 80s by that Pog Juice Company. It's a complete invention. It's, there's no such thing. They're all Djiboutians. A conspiracy of cartographers. <laughs> but yeah, there were communities of Moroccans. And um, Algerians and Turks, but that was before like uh, Muslim Africa really like made it all to, moved to Alaska. Made it to Alaska. Mass. It's not a very popular climate, I think, for people that are used to people to from the desert. The desert, yeah. 
Where do they go? Phoenix? Why do they all move to Michigan then? Why is Michigan full of, uh. Well, it's the old, it's the anchor, anchor tenant, yeah. uh, factor, right? Somebody moved there and then their friends and family moved. There. I've always dreamed of being that influential. Just Wouldn't be, that be yeah. amazing? What if I'm like the one Welsh guy who's like, guess what? I'm going to go live on the Bikini Atoll. All the nuclear <laughs> tests are done. And suddenly there's a huge community of, of pasty white guys. I keep thinking St. Petersburg, Florida is a good place to move and then just be a beacon to all of your hipster friends. Like, hey, you guys, St. Petersburg, real estate's cheap and it kind of feels like Austin. <laughs> The Austin of Florida. Every once in a while, we're kind of threatened by a hurricane, but they never seem to land. Have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Maybe you've even tried at some point, but gave up because you felt lessons were too expensive or that you just didn't have the time. Thankfully, there's Musician. Musician is the fun, easy, and affordable way to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, and even singing. Just download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. Musician gives you 24-7 access to a vast catalog of video lessons from professionally trained educators, as well as thousands of exercises and songs across dozens of music genres, all tailored to your goals. And with Musician's award-winning technology that listens to you play, you'll get real-time feedback on timing and accuracy so you can actually see yourself improving as you learn. Start your extended 14-day free trial of Musician's Premium Plus package at musician.com slash start. That's unlimited access to thousands of lessons, exercises, and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks. Just go to musician.com slash start. That's Y-O-U-S-I-C-I-A-N dot com slash start. So if you imagine one of these Tunisian guys in, uh, not in St. Petersburg, but in less friendly climes of Anchorage, Alaska, um, if you look at a, a world map, it doesn't have to be Mercator projection, don't worry, but Thank any you. map which is, uh, uh, what is equiangular, where, right. where uh, latitude and longitude are horizontal and vertical, respectively, then imagining someone praying to Mecca, you would probably draw what is called a room line or a loxodrome, which is just dead, constant bearing toward Mecca. You know, from Alaska is actually closer. You'd actually go over Eurasia. You would not go over the Atlantic. You'd point the other direction. You'd point the other way. So you'd be, you'd be pointing like west, southwest. And that would be a loxodrome or a room line to Mecca. And so you could defensively pray that way. But in fact, most Muslims do not. They always pray to the east? Well, no. It's a great circle route. Okay. So um, they pray over the pole, like a missile, like an ICBM. They go north. So if you're uh, calculating on a, on a spherical surface or near spherical, uh, the closest distance between, as the crow flies between Anchorage and Mecca uh, it is not that constant bearing west-southwest because the earth bulges outward. It's actually north over the pole. Interesting. So it's counterintuitive, but a, an Alaskan Muslim would face almost due north. And that's determined, uh, at what point was that determined? Was their knowledge of uh, astronomy so great that there was never a time when a Muslim in Anchorage would have mistakenly prayed along a room line? Well, first of all, there's no definitive ruling because there is no central Islamic world court. Right. Um, it really is kind of up to individual practice and tradition. There is kind of a preponderance of imams and clerics saying, yeah, do a great circle route. That's, that's probably what's most closely in the spirit of the Quranic language. But it's not definitive. You're not a bad Muslim if you're in Anchorage and you're facing 
uh, west southwest you just apparently don't have a globe in your house uh -huh. you, you just have a flat You're using a mercator projection another <laughs> ding on it <laughs> it's it offends allah the mercator projection <laughs> when people mention it now i'm going to say it offends allah that's my defense from now on it didn't really become a live issue until there were a bunch of muslims in the new world but once you have large Muslim populations in New York and LA and Toronto and all these places. Well, except there are so many Muslims in Indonesia, but I guess that would be close enough that you'd be, still because face of the, west. Because the latitude is not too different, right. you're still kind of facing west-northwest, I think. Um, you really, until you get across the ocean, you don't have to worry about the the implications of great circle routes I and think around Earth. Ecuador would be the hardest place to kind of decide because you could maybe face either direction. There are two places that are harder to decide that I want to suggest to you. Even Honduras. More so than, even more so than Ecuador or Honduras. For one thing, <laughs> consider Muslim in a low Earth orbit. Muslims in space. space. There have actually, uh, nine Muslims have actually been to space. Nine Muslim astronauts. Are they? This is not a joke. Nine, <laughs> nine Muslim astronauts walk into a rocket ship. No, I thought nine Muslim astronauts was like, uh, it's a nine Muslim it's astronauts a counting rhyme. bouncing on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> One Muslim astronaut falls on his head. Um, uh, are they all Americans and Russians or are they, were there ever Muslim astronauts from Arab countries. Uh, no, they're all American or Russian space missions. Right. I think you know it's a, it's Russia having a Kazakh guy aboard or something. Right, but, and and or, a, and, a, and the first guy I believe was a, some kind of Saudi royal family guy. Really, who went up on a on a space shuttle mission? I think. I guess that makes sense. Uh, right? If he like, if he leaves his bone saw behind, it makes sense. <laughs> uh, sort of. Uh, hang on. Oh, ow, I put the bell on the phone. Don't do that. Did you crack your phone? Uh, no, I didn't, but... but I uh, want to tell a joke a so appalling, bell. so <laughs> offensive to your sensibilities that it actually cracks your phone screen. That's my dream. I imagine that to go on one of those space space missions, I, uh, that's a, that's a, say that five times fast, space missions. Muslim space, space mission, Muslim space mission. <laughs> um, that it would be kind of a billion dollar price tag the right. first time. And right. you need to be a person of sufficient wealth and education. And this was some kind of fighter pilot engineer type. Right. Right, right, right. So it helps to be in the royal in good family. Shape. But so, but once you're in space, consider how difficult that would be. For one thing, uh, you're moving very fast. You're moving. Yes. Yeah, so the, one thing is, Earth is down. Mecca is down. Right. If you're in zero g, I guess you can face toward the floor. You can float. Uh, but does that count as being prostrate? Well, that's it's the hard thing. to know what uh, what Muhammad would have said about zero g. Wouldn't be able to do all every single. Couldn't stand and sit down and. You need to have some kind of special rig that allows you to do all four postures while, while facing a downward Mecca. But the main problem, as you say, is that Mecca is a moving target right. when you're in space. Um, some of these prayers are long enough that by the time you get done, you would actually be, Mecca is now almost 180 degrees from where it was when you started the prayer, just because you're, you're orbiting so fast. So you would need a really complicated mechanism to both keep you oriented and also right. like follow you, track. In that it. case, you need a powered one, right? That, uh, <laughs> like, uh, like one of those, you know how some telescopes, some super fancy telescopes have the little motor that will knows how fast the earth is moving at your latitude and will move slowly to follow the star. I did not know that, that you would have to be like a member of a pretty cool telescope group. You don't have to have a big building size one on the top of a mountain. There are, you know, if you get an, if you go to Costco, the nicest telescope they have, I think probably has star tracking because the night sky is moving as you're looking and it's annoying. Wow. So, uh, you just tell it your latitude and, and it knows, or 
either it knows which angle you're pointing or you have to tell it and it knows how fast to track. That seems like a thing that's going to use up a lot of batteries. Oh, I think so. It's like back when you had your discman and you just had to yeah. throw out eight double A's every week. That, that assumes you're using your telescope as often as you're using your, your music player, which in my case is not true. We have, a, <laughs> we have a telescope I thought would delight my children and it did the day we bought it. Yeah. And now it's a very occasional part of now our Now it sits in the living room and it's pointed at the bedroom window of the, of <laughs> the, the single of the, woman. Of the lives, widow next door. <laughs> down the hill. Yeah. You know, ever since Dylan hit puberty, I should check and see if our telescope <laughs> angle has changed. No, so there. So clerics have actually advised Muslim astronauts, and it really is. You know, it's it's a very loose thing. You know, try to face, basically try to face the right direction. If you can't tell where Mecca is, try to face the Earth. Uh-huh. If you can't even do that, just do the best you can. Like it really is. Like in space, we're gonna punt. Like space Muslims are uh, apparently a cool, free thinking kind of Muslim because it really is just like. Do your best, you know? Sure, you have to punt. I mean, the original Christian astronauts had to confront the fact that it didn't appear that there was any heaven <laughs> Right. Up that there. was very hard. There were, when John Glenn was like, <laughs> and I'm sure as soon as I uh, lose sight of Florida, I will see Jesus, my, my Lord and Savior. And through then, the clouds. And then when he didn't, John Glenn was very, Wait, I guess it would have been Alan Shepard. Where are the angels? There are no angels here. But of course, the atheist cosmonauts were super pumped. Right. As we suspected. <laughs> Is is no God up here. <laughs> In Russia, God live on star. Um, there is a place where it is even harder to pray, but it's right next to one where it's even easier. You need to go to the South Pacific. You need to go to French Polynesia. I and do need to go to French Polynesia. On so many levels, we need to take the show to do French Do you know Polynesia. anyone that's been to French Polynesia? I know somebody who just got back from Tahiti, and they really do talk about it in some kind of religious way, like they're yeah. a, a retired man from the 1970s. It's true for me, too, the people that are like, we stayed in a house that was on stilts above a azure blue sea, and there was no electricity, but it didn't matter. Why do we even need electricity, man? The sea turtles brought us our, our uh, Mai Tais every afternoon. Yeah. Every day, some people that were curiously employed by the resort that I was staying at <laughs> would bring me fresh guava, and it's it all just, seemed so free. What a freeing life down there where these- <laughs> yeah. They seemed happy these to magical do it. homunculi <laughs> just bring you everything you want. It really must be great down there. Yeah. What a paradise. <laughs> um. But praying is tricky in the uh, archipelago of, of the atolls of Tematangi. Um, it is the point on the earth which is exactly antipodal to Mecca. Wow. So what do you do? If you drilled a hole through the earth's surface, you would come out in the Kaaba and annoy so many Muslims. You might come out like the mole man and a bunch of people <laughs> doing the tawaf would fall into your hole where your drill car came out. Well, you would be followed by a high-pressure jet of molten iron and that a, would bum everybody seriously out. And a chill guy with carrying a guava juice, <laughs> which, what, which would relax everyone. What? Oh, that's right. Wow, this is cool. Why do we even have electricity? Uh, so does that mean that you could pray in any direction? Well, if you're in one of these islands, uh, you go. if you were to you know jump to a different island from one of these atolls, for example, you might face due west because you're slightly east of the antipode. But then, or I guess you're slightly west of the antipode. But due but then west if you, if, is determined how? Because if you're if you're that far down, I mean, we think in North America, west seems pretty easy to determine. Think but, about the continental divide. You're on top of the continental divide. You drop a drip of water from your, uh, your drip of guava juice from right. your canteen. Which way does it go? To the Mississippi? Right. If you, if you go to one the inch Columbia. to the, if you go one inch to the west, 
that will drain into the snake, then the Columbia, then into the Really easy to Pacific. determine. If you go one inch to the east, that water will drain into the you know, Mississippi-Missouri River system and out into the Gulf, probably. But if so, you're down in... So a very small difference if you're in will New make a difference Zealand, of thousands of miles. Is west along the longitudinal line, which means that it's a pretty short distance around the globe at that point. Well, let's assume, yeah, let's assume we're doing a great circle. So from New Zealand, there's probably a clearer one. But from what I'm saying is from this one archipelago, which is exactly opposite Mecca, um, you could travel just to an island 20 miles away and suddenly you'd have to face in the exact opposite direction, like a raindrop on the continental divide. Right. And, but there's also, that's all these points, all these islands surround one spot, which is the easiest place on earth for a faithful Muslim to perform Salat. I would just like to put a little pin in like a raindrop on the Continental Divide, because I really want to revisit that as a song lyric. Oh, perfect. Yeah. but Will, any, will you shout me out from the stage? I will. Ken this Jennings. One, this one goes out to Ken Jennings. <laughs> it's called A Raindrop on the Continental Divide. I don't think that can be the song title. Hit it. It's a really kind of slow, shitty country song. <laughs> a boom, ba, boom, ba, boom, ba, boom, if it wasn't the title, if it was just a metaphor in the song, that could be Long Winter's E, right? Yeah, right. And then it would end up being the title of our album. <laughs> That's always been my dream, to write the lyric that is not the song title, but becomes the album title, like My Aim is True or whatever. My Aim is True. Uh, but um, you're saying there's a spot. It's 30 miles north. It's in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, about 30 miles north of the French Polynesian atoll of Tamatangi. How deep is the, how deep is your deep? love, first of all, but how deep For is the lost, water there? It's very deep. Uh-huh. Um, the water is extremely deep. It's this, it's, oh, it is. Well, I guess it's, it's near atolls. Okay, maybe it's not so deep. I, I don't want to speculate. Right. Um, I mean, you could conceivably stand in it up to your waist because there are a lot of big sandy shoals. I think here you're 30 miles from the nearest atoll. So it's probably not any kind of shoal or sandbar. If you're standing, it's probably on some kind of plastic gyre that is (laughs) taking over the ocean. I would prefer to think that we were standing on the backs of uh, dolphins that all are wearing kind of like horse bridles. Sure. It's two dolphins. You got one on your left foot and one on your right foot. I am King Neptune. So (laughs) that's, that's how you, that's just how you roll. (laughs) And if you're at this one place, King Neptune, yes. and in an alternate reality where King Neptune is a devout Muslim yes, um, and faces Mecca five times a day, you could literally face he in any direction. He is the patron saint of horses, by the way. That is correct. Neptune. And uh, Ara- stallions are often uh, Arabic. Yeah, associated with Arabia. So you have a white steed, not just as in your guise as Muhammad, the prophet Muhammad, but also as King Neptune. That's right. Maybe. Um, so anyway, when you're at this one spot... King Neptune. Yes. You could face any direction on earth. You could spin around in circles during the prayer. If you're, if you have one of those little yoga spinny things that lets you maintain your posture mm-hmm. and you are still equidistant from Mecca in any direction. Wow. That would be the dream, wouldn't it? Well, it seems like if, uh, it seems like we maybe need to start an Islamic paradise there. That's where Mr. Spot. Dax should build his undersea like mega villain complex. No, James Bond villains can't be Muslim. It's a little... Oh, right. No, wait a minute. Is that true? Is there a prohibition on James Bond villains being Muslim? Uh, I think an informal one. It just okay. seems a little, it seems a little uh, hacky. You know, these, yeah, right. These, these are, these, it's just hard. It's already hard enough on Sikh gas station attendants. Yeah. You know, why can't all James Bond villains be cruel Nordic men? You know, Nostradamus predicted that the big baddie that was going to arrive sometime fairly 
soon or maybe already wore a blue turban. That doesn't suggest his religion, except maybe, maybe obliquely, but a blue turban is supposed to be the haberdasher of the haberdashery of choice for the end times. I had no idea. Signal. Nostradamus certainly thought it would be easy to spot the Antichrist. He did. It, like it was a, the blue turban, I here's thought. Here's a crowd of thousands of people. Like literally only one guy has a blue turban. Yeah. I, I keep waiting for Ted Cruz to put a blue turban on, but never does. And that concludes the Kibla or the Kibla entry 1016.PS5517. Certificate number, a short certificate number, 2405 in the omnibus. You're editorializing even during this part of the outro now. Well, it's like the last wall has fallen. Yeah. Turns out, turns out, I'm going to talk into my shoe now. <laughs> Very few stones unturned in making this uh, show even longer, but adding editorial commentary during the classification number <coughs> is, is, a, is something we haven't tried yet. Uh, in the unlikely event, futurelings, that social media still exists in your era and that the earth is still even spherical. It's uh, possible that you are living on a Borgic cube. Or some kind of Dyson sphere that surrounds the Earth, in which case, do up is Mecca. Or do down. If you're on the outside of the sphere. I if you're on the outside of the I sphere. I assume they advance the insects, then you get fake gravity when it rotates. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, we're, we're right. You could be living in a donut around the Earth. If they're in space, the Kibla is much easier because all you have to do is sight our solar system, find Saul in the night sky. What happens if Earth becomes uninhabitable and future Muslims uproot the... Uh, yeah, the question is, do they pick a new most sacred mosque? Right, or do they take it with them to space so that space Muslims oh. become mainstream Muslims and then it is a mobile... What you would want to do is tow the Kaaba to somewhere... Uh, Stationary. Station and convenient to uh, astro celestial navigation. We'll put it on the moon. Or the North Star. Or, um, I mean, let's say Muslims are, are the are galaxy is now full of Muslims. Hypergalactic Muslims. Yeah, you want to move the Kaaba to either the center of the universe or the center. I guess there's no center of the universe. You want the center of the Milky Way. Right. Or maybe the brightest star in our galaxy. Right. Uh, well, except that would be brightest from Earth, so... Maybe you the could largest put it, star? You could put it in a low sun orbit and then just sort of face the sun. You should, what you should do is you should find out where the meteorite originally came from uh, and return it to its rightful home. Well, maybe that will be the singularity. Maybe everything will collapse into one sort of godhead. Maybe that will be heaven. Like that is Alan Shepard just didn't get far enough. Return the Kaaba to the source planet and all... All puzzle pieces are completed. I feel like some giant Jack Kirby hand is writing this <laughs> on the source wall now. Return the Kaaba to the source. Uh, but even in the event of intergalactic uh, Islam, they're probably... Is that an event? <laughs> probably, probably <laughs> Happy intergalactic Islam! Uh, I, I think it will seem like an event to futurelings if they're far enough out. The whole process of spreading Islam to the galaxy will will all be condensed. It will appear to them to happen effectively in a time, it'll a be, moment. It'll be an easy sell on desert planets like Tatooine. You know, they, they have they share a common heritage with the desert dwellers of the Middle East. 
Right. Well, they can all shoot womp rats at a thousand parsecs. Womp rats are unclean. (laughs) They are not halal. Uh, right, they, the, uh, womp rats have cloven hooves, don't they? I think it's canon yeah. that they that they do. Uh, but surely, even then, Facebook will continue to exist and plague the universe. <laughs> uh, and its younger, uh, you know, like deceptively funner cousin or or uh, nephew, Instagram, and whatever follows it. And then, truly, the blue turbaned antichrist, Twitter. They're all still. Does the blue Twitter bird look a little like a turban? Wait a minute. No, I need to look at no it. No one ever. I mean, it's not clear that the Antichrist couldn't be an app. Could the Antichrist be an app? Let's think about that. What's your ruling, uh, Imam? The Twitter bird is blue. It's hard to think of an angle where it looks much like a turban. What if they didn't say turban? What if he said like toucan? Right. It's a blue toucan. <laughs> he thought it was a blue toucan. Oh, no. We're <laughs> oh, screwed. But toucans are rainbow colored. We all know that. That's why he had to point out that it was blue. It was a very noteworthy, uh, noteworthy exception. Anyway, go to at Omnibus Project, at Ken Jennings, at John Roderick. Follow us. Uh, give us five-star ratings on Uber. On Uber. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'd like to uh, be... Upgraded to uh, United Airlines Frequent Flyer Platinums. Also, if there's someone listening to the program that works for Delta, I would also like to be given special we, status We on would Delta. like to be million milers on every airline. Every airline. And I also, I would like membership to that uh, club in Disneyland where you have to oh, be yeah, special. Oh, yeah, special club through the door thing. Where you get to see the fireworks. Here, this is Who serious. Who can hook us up with that? This is serious now. I want to take my daughter to Disneyland, and I don't want to be with the muggles. I want to have a special time. If there's anyone listening to this program that has special juice at Disneyland, reach out to me. Also, we do want to be million milers on all. Did I ever tell you that uh, that at some point I was really struggling with Delta to get my frequent flyer, blah, 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 blah. And a guy reached out and was like, I work for Delta in the ticketing department. Would you like special treatment? And I was like, duh. I've been talking about this on podcasts for years. Everyone loves this kind of popular, relatable story. Yeah. Where someone with a with a common intractable problem has it solved because they're not nor they're they're, they're not they're a slightly muggle. famous. Yeah. yeah. And so people are gonna love this about you. For like three more flights on Delta, I was just automatically like in the catbird seat, right? Seat one A. And then he writes me and says, I'm retiring from Delta. <laughs> and I was like, You bastard! <laughs> and you know, I can't go back to re- being a normal yeah, retiring from Delta and also like, like immediately all privileges revoked or something like, Oh, uh, you can know, you can't put me in some, is there's gotta be some box that you just get put in and then they can't take I you do out. I think that's weird that apparently there's a checkbox somewhere that Delta can give to like special people. Who, Tom who Hanks or whatever. Right. He doesn't have to get diamond status every year. He just, well, maybe I'm not sure whether he flies Delta. Uh, anyway, uh, so tweet us, uh, give us good thumbs ups. I want you to fave all of Ken's tweets, even the ones that aren't funny or the ones that are like, that are kind of offensive. This is a very needy outro. (sighs) I'm just feeling really vulnerable lately. Uh, I made the mistake of replying to some emails the other day and, uh, it just, it sent me into a week long spiral of people like thinking that now that, now that I replied to an email, now we were emailing each other. You didn't reply to my email. Well, I'm, I'm not. I'm trying to make it not a habit. <laughs> anyway, you can also you can definitely email us. <laughs> yeah, email us at omnibusproject at howstuffworks.com. And if you do go to Facebook, I encourage you to 
frequent the Futurelings page where everyone is super smart and pretty. And making and, trading cards. Yep, and having fun playing bingo. And you can uh, mail us stuff. We, we just got a little pouch of mail, including a postcard with a dick butt picture. And I got a little care package with a, a plastic Vespa and a box of bag balm. I got a United Airlines pin and no yeah. implication that I have any kind of uh, amazing status. On United I, Airlines. I also got a, a United Airlines pin, which appears not to give us any status at all. And then some teasing about how United doesn't actually break guitars. I got teased in, a, in like snail mail. How come no one focuses on the guitars they don't break? John. Yeah, that's right. Think of all the guitars that United didn't break. Think in the about last all year. the report. Think about all the journalists that the Saudi royal family has not killed. Yeah, look think at the about bright that. side. Think about all of the Middle Eastern countries that we don't bomb all the time from from like a that robot is, jet. That is actually a small smaller list. <laughs> that, might, that, that one does not work. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're right. Let me think. Well, we do not bomb Saudi Arabia. Maybe the southern desert. We do that area that's in contention with Yemen. I bet you we dropped some bombs on southern Saudi Arabia at, at their request. I'm not trying to... Are, are we trying to complete uh, some kind of map, like like uh, doing an omnibus that starts with every letter of the alphabet? You also want to bomb every uh, I think a, United, a country that starts with every letter? United Arab Emirates probably doesn't get a lot of stealth bombs. Probably not, because all the stuff in the Swarovski store would break. Future listeners, whether you're Muslim or infidel... Halal or uh, Latter Day Saint. Halal or what's the? What's, there's no Latter Day Saint equivalent of halal. There's not. You can't be. Um, there's no adjective for it for uh, keeping uh, caffeine free, uncaffeinated. <laughs> Whether you're halal or, or you don't have a Starbucks card, uh, from our vantage point here in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization or any of its great religious traditions survived. Uh, we hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come and will not be caused by religious strife. Here, here. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. We'll never get to X and Y. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus. Omnibus.